What's up? Not much. Hey everybody, welcome to the Leftovers Podcast. I'm Jacob. I'm Jason. And today we wanted to talk about poverty and crime. Um, we're going to begin with some background that Jason has prepared on policing in America. Uh, yeah, totally. Because, um, yeah, I wanted to start there where, where I, you know, see see it as almost the beginning of the the state of what policing is today, um, because it's very similar, um, just on a larger scale and obviously a lot more put together. Um, and I feel like it's something that doesn't get talked about a lot, or, I mean, it's, it's being talked about more now. Um, but it's just kind of, you know, I just feel like a lot of, especially white people get really uncomfortable when they talk about slavery and trying to understand it and, you know, like uh, my partner and I, we do a lot of reading on it and, and try to educate ourselves on, on that. And um, so, yeah, that's kind of why I wanted to start there. Um, and I wanted to start with talking about like slave patrols, because that was a very early form of policing in America. And I feel like it just laid the groundwork for what we see today, largely. Um yeah. So obviously, you know, enslaved people uh, were essentially property. They were treated as property, right? And that was the idea was to protect that property of those rich, uh, you know, the, the people that got rich off of slave labor. The enslavers. Um, which was, yes, the enslavers. The, they, I mean, they were that was what our the at least the southern economy for a long time relied heavily on and um and so i mean it, it makes sense the system is going to protect that right that's an economic asset that's how they see it can i come and, in real quick can I come with yeah totally the, the northern economy also largely depended on slave the slave the enslaved economy because what the South would do would manufacture raw products. And then where the North had more uh, urban centers uh, with like warehouses and manufacturing plants. And so they would use those raw materials to create things. Uh, that's just a tidbit. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like that's a, that's a thing too, right? Because, you know, I've gotten into arguments with people about, Oh, well, that was just the South primarily, right? That used slaves. That has nothing to do with the North. But yeah, it's obviously all tied in, right? They use that raw material, collecting cotton, and then there's a lot of textile production up in the North. Where right. do you think that they get the raw materials for the textiles? The, yeah. the, you know? Uh, so yeah, and I think it's just really important to 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 look at how those slave patrols were were you know, they, they were started to protect the slavers, you know, uh, property or what they considered their property, which were human beings, were the enslaved uh, people of color, right? And yep. they, it also was to suppress any sort of rebellion or like rebellious activity um, because that was very common, right? And, and there was also as well, like alongside enslaved people, there was also indentured servants. 
which were different, um, but a lot of times they were uh, indentured servants could be white people as well. And it was a whole different category, right? Uh, I don't even think uh, people of color could be indentured servants. Um, but so there was a lot of like black and white rebellion from indentured servants and enslaved people. And so a lot of that was, you know, suppressing those kinds of rebellions. Um, and I mean, we could go into a whole nother topic about, you know, how they constructed black and white and gave indentured servants that were white, you know, more privileges to kind of quash that uh, sort of unity that they had with yeah. enslaved people. Yeah, to quash um, the solidarity among, you know, the whites and African-Americans, uh, the, the white Americans yeah. and uh, the African-American enslaved. Yeah. Um, and I mean, so I just think that that's an important place to start, right, to, to know that, that that was there they saw it as protecting their property to stop the the rebellions from happening and uh even after slavery ended right and the 13th amendment you know said like slavery is illegal mm -hmm. unless you are a criminal or commit crime you can be subject to slavery right and so that's where you get to see a lot of like the really dumb and like really minuscule uh kind of like treat like the you know the the charges that they would charge you, you know uh, uh black people back in that time was like oh you spit on the ground or you said something that i took as rude i we can jail you and basically now you're a criminal you can be subject to slavery again yeah and yeah. so i mean it just it's so reminiscent of what's happening today. Right. I mean, it's like the same kind of attitude and it's just like the, the pettiest little things, you know, uh, can get a person of color in, into so much trouble. And it's kind of, it just, it makes so much sense. It's not right, but it makes so much sense when you look at the history of why, policing is the way that it is today it really hasn't changed that much and i mean if, even if you look at times of uh segregation in this country a lot of you know policing that was happening was to keep black people in their communities and yeah. even when you know white people would come in and destroy black communities and cause riots and do all this stuff that wasn't that big of a deal but if uh, a person of color uh, a black person in particular went out into a white area you know they would get beat up by police by citizens it was that's what they could do they could be killed and i mean it, it but white people could come into their communities and wreak havoc and wouldn't face any consequences and so it, i just feel like that also has so much to do with you know like why uh what people would call gangs started as well you know like they were people were trying to protect themselves and once you know a lot of these black economies got squashed because a lot of them were very successful uh you know but there was they a lot of white people ruined you know like successful black economies uh on purpose right i mean yeah. it would be the the smallest little thing like oh we accuse this person from this community of doing this they would come in and just i mean there was an instance i can't recall right now exactly it was uh 
I can't remember the name of it, but I mean, they, they literally dropped like bombs using, you know, like drop planes for, uh, for agriculture on black communities and basically destroyed, you know, any sort of opportunity that they even had for success. And, And I feel like that also, you know, when you don't give people opportunity, it, it leads to, you know, like doing activity that the status quo would deem as criminal or, you know, something that is unsavory. And, and, and I mean, now when you look at it today, right, it, it also affects just any person that is of lower class yeah. Um, yeah. that is committing petty crimes that will be treated a certain way by the police. Um, and it obviously us as white people, we are not as affected, you know, by the, the brutality of policing and just the straight up murder of innocent people by the police. Um, But yeah, it's also, uh, it's very related to class as well. And it's, I mean, it it just shows like the cops are there for protection of property And, and somebody, I was at a March not too long ago and somebody put it so perfectly, uh, we, you know, the state of Oregon did not declare a state of emergency for climate crisis. They didn't just, they didn't, you know, uh, put out a state of emergency for black people being murdered by cops. But when Louis Vuitton and the Apple store and, you know, all these big businesses downtown got their windows broken, it was a state of emergency. And the, you know, the government was there to squash any sort of uprising that would happen. And yeah. I just, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's just, to me, it's just all, it, it's always been this. Yeah. I think you, I think you mentioned there, you know, kind of the idea of like a, like a poverty to crime pipeline. And, and I think it's, yeah. you know, obviously the issue of the, the, the intersecting issues of poverty and crime is a multifaceted issue, but the, the, the one tentacle i guess is is a poverty of crime to pipeline i mean like you said when you don't provide people opportunities or you take all those opportunities out of the locality i mean that the the necessity to survive in our in our uh darwinistic i guess you know economy of the united states you have you have to make money somehow and whether like to eat to house yourself, to provide for your family, to do whatever, to protect yourself even. And so I think that, you know, that is very much a poverty to crime pipeline in a sense, but that, that, that is not to say that all, all, all people from poverty are going to do crime. Like, I think that's, you know, if I were to say that that's a bit, Oh, that's, that's that's a degradation of the people and a a generalization. Um, But it's, it's also notable well, well, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, it, I mean, wealthy people commit crimes too. It's just the, a matter of how we treat it, how we look at it, you know, how much attention it gets from the police, from law yeah, enforcement. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we you know, uh, we, we treat wealthy crime and, you know, poor crime differently. And, and that's something I, was, I wanted to get into a little bit later. But uh, I wanted to talk about like so schools in you know areas with uh, poverty 
and with high, high rates of poverty in areas with, you know, people of color. And like, so these, a lot of those schools in those areas have police officers, I believe they're called like resource officers once they're in schools. And, and if, if it's stu- students that misbehave are treated as criminals there, and you can, I, in some areas, in some instances, these, these students already have criminal records for, you know, speaking out at a teacher or, you know, just doing some school misbehavior. Getting, in, getting into getting fights. fights, stuff like yeah. that. And, and then that's, our, that's making a, a student a criminal, right? And then we are like, there's also well, yeah. the idea that once you're a criminal, it's really hard to get a job, which makes you hard to be a contributing citizen. And so it's, it's again, it's another pipeline to crime, to criminality. And, and that's something perpetrated by over-policing and def- underfunding of public services. And yeah, I mean, something else as far as like poverty as crime, right? Like homelessness is considered a crime and they can get you for loitering or something like that. Right. And then give you a ticket. Like if you had any kind of money, you know what I mean? You would, you don't need that ticket basically. Like you would be, uh, you know, sheltered somewhere where you could be safe. Like no one wants to actually sleep outside, not to mention the, the the uh mental health disorders that tend to come along with homelessness as well right yeah yeah well yeah because i mean a lot of those people you know that have those issues and don't have resources can't find work can't find help can't find housing and and end up yeah being on the streets and it it really sucks yeah and uh i mean it's just like um when i've been going out uh you know recently and We've been uh, giving supplies and food um, to, you know, houses, people all throughout downtown Portland. And one of the things we looked at, you know, every every once in a while, we'll see a spot that was like, oh, there was a bunch of tents here and now they're gone. And, you know, sometimes people move, um, but they also get flagged for these little tiny things where it's like, oh, you attached your tent to a fixed structure that is technically city or public property. And that's a violation and the cops come in and they can sweep it. They can just sweep the whole area. And I'm just like, so what does that do though? Where do those people go? Yeah. Well, you know, or like, are they getting, are they going to jail? Are they getting ticketed? Cause they can't afford to pay a ticket. Obviously they can't afford to do anything. And you're also just sweeping their entire life. You're, you're, you're taking their homes and, and destroying them or, or throwing them away or telling them like, you can't, you know, you can't be here. I'm, you know, just totally bulldoze your property right now or not your property, but you know, like all of your things that you have. Yeah. Your personal space. Uh, yeah. Your, yeah your, your personal belongings. And it's just like, that is not seen as violence to the state, but you know, like speaking out against police brutality in a, you know, even by throwing a brick at a window at a cop, you know, like at a building, at a, a police union building or something, or even just protesting with a sign outside is looked at as more violent and distasteful than sweeping, you know, uh, encampments where, you know, where people live that don't have houses. And it's, yeah, it's just, to me, it's disgusting. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's something to say about the idea that there is no free space. Like you, you can't, it, there's, it, it's very limited to where people can just exist now with 
without purchasing something or without having to expend monetary resources. Like even state yeah. state national parks have entrance fees, stuff like that, right? And yeah, I, I mean, libraries and parks are these incredible exceptions to to that, right? But I mean, again, like you can still like I know that like when we were kids, like being in the park and a cop rolled by, you're like, oh, better not be doing anything wrong, even though you're just like sitting on a bench. You know what I mean? And he, like you yeah. can even be loitering in a park, which is not necessarily i mean where do people just exist it's it's almost gone in our american society um yeah well i mean a lot of parks have rules where you can't be in them after dark so yeah yeah i mean i just don't yeah that's just something i I vastly and like don't understand in people's psyche of saying you know why don't homeless people just you know do something or whatever and it's like they don't have you know how difficult that situation must be and yeah yeah like you think it's good easy to just go out and get a job like you haven't taken even if you haven't taken a shower in a couple weeks and haven't had a sufficient meal you know and haven't had a good night's sleep you know like how do you feel after you've gone on just a fucking road trip yeah you know like imagine living on the fucking street yeah I mean, even even outside of homelessness, though, like, you know, minor petty criminal criminal and scare quotes, you know, it, it, it adds up. Right. So uh, what I have written down is like I remember, you know, before I was like financially stable or whatever, I was so scared of like having a busted taillight because that meant like yeah. having a busted taillight means getting pulled over and getting a fix it ticket. But getting a fix it ticket means, you know, I have to go and fix my car. And then also I have to go to court to show that I got it fixed to not pay the ticket. Right. But the thing is like, not everyone has the ability to just take a day off whenever they, you know, whenever they can, like whenever they want. Yeah. It's so you either lose out on, lose out on a day of pay or you pay the ticket. And like, and no matter what you have to fix the taillight. So it's already like this really big, expense which i mean maybe some people listening to this are like that's not a big expense to you know fix your taillight but if you're making 500 bucks a week or you're making you know shoot even 500 bucks a month you know that is a big expense yeah well and it just i mean a similar situation that happened to me you know it's like I couldn't afford car insurance for a while, you know, like when I first started working and I didn't have a great car, you know, I just bought a car and it just was old and I didn't have car insurance yet because I was like, okay, well I'm going to buy, you know, like I have to buy a certain amount of car insurance, either six months or one month. What do I want to do? And it was, I, I had no idea that one of my license plate lights was out. Yeah. Not both of them, just one of them. Yeah. And I got pulled over for that. And it was like, boom, I got, you know, a, an insurance ticket. Yeah. And it was literally, cause it's like, Oh, well I pulled you over because it's not that both of your taillights are, or both of your license plate lights are out. So I can see your license plate. One of them is out, but then I also got an insurance ticket and it's like insurance ticket was like five or $600. And I was like, well, insurance is really expensive too. And, you know, 
so I ended up getting insurance and then, you know, I, the cop was like, if you want, you can, you know, like I can write you a ticket so that if you get insurance, you can do a day in court or, you know, talk to a judge or something. And then we can, so I had to do this whole thing, right. Where I bought insurance, I went to court, I had to sit through a whole day of court. And then the judge was like, okay, I see that you bought insurance. I'll lower your ticket to like $200 instead of $300. Yeah, And so yeah, it was like, yeah. and it's just like, because one of my lights was out and it wasn't even obstructing anything. Yeah. I you mean, know, I mean, that stops tend to lead to more, you know, I mean, how, how many of the people who have been killed by police were stopped for something, um, you know, minimal taillight or blinker, or blinker, you know, any, anything like that. And sleeping in their car, sleeping in their car. Right. And yeah, I mean, I think, Again, we've said this before, but it's just it, there. There's this stigma to poverty as if it doesn't, if it's not an essential part to the capitalist system, and it's mind-numbingly frustrating to explain to people who have never lived in poverty or who have never experienced any kind of poverty what something like a traffic stop means to you, and how. Yeah. In fear you live every time you get in your car to go to work or to, you know, do anything. Yeah. Anytime you see a police officer while you're driving is like, oh shit. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like we, uh, yeah. I mean, I still struggle to pay for car insurance sometimes because it's just like, okay, well, that's the last thing on the list that I care about. I care more about my rent and my food and, you know, business expenses and things like that, things that are going to, you know, keep me making money and having a place to live. So sometimes car insurance just gets the ax, you know, it's like, you know, just don't pay the car insurance. We'll get it when we have money, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's terrifying to think about having to get a, a and I mean, and, and that brings up another point too. Like I couldn't imagine if I was a person of color and I'm just like, wow, I can't afford, you know, insurance. I'm going to, you know, I mean, like, oh, what if they're like, oh, you don't have insurance? Is this even your car? Can you step out of the car? Uh, yeah. Do you have anything on you? You know, and it's like when you start asking questions, because when I get pulled over, I have a fucking attitude. I don't like cops and, and I get an attitude. And yeah. it's just like, that's a privilege. I have an attitude with a cop and nothing happens, you know, besides getting ticketed and them furthering, you know, uh, people being in poverty, I guess. But yeah, I mean, that's a privilege in itself, but I mean, it's still like, you know, those things are huge setbacks to people when they don't have a lot of money. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, this all co- and like a lot of the, what, what really bothers me about this and especially like with the contemporary, I guess, I don't know, even know if I'm using that word correctly in that, in that manner, but like the argument of like defunding police right now, like, you know, obviously the, you know, there's this, there's this extreme, like, uh insinuation that defunding the police means you know abolishing the police where in reality it's more about like we wouldn't need as many police if we you know enacted these measures of like like anti-poverty measure measures like a jobs program healthcare, like you know higher corporate taxes right and yeah and these things all help like and if you look at local government spending, like bu- spending budgets, like it's astronomically weighted in the favor of policing. And uh, most cities are about half of the city budget. Yeah. 
And so if not more, right. And yeah, I mean, I just don't see like, like why small towns, like where we're from or, you know, where I live now, I guess like the suburbs, like, I don't know why we need a SWAT team, you know, and like anti, anti, yeah, I mean, anti our, mine vehicles. Well, it's like our small hometown where we're from. There's a fucking tank there. There's like a huge armored car. I don't know if you've been there in a while mm-hmm. um, or seen that, but I mean, yeah, the police station, there is like a huge armored like vehicle that is like meant for, uh, you know, dispersing crowds and, and things like that. Yeah. And I, I'm just blown away. I'm like, why would we need that in our small town? Why would the, why would the police need that? What's ever happened there where they think we need this? I'm pretty sure it's never been used, you know? Yeah. And it, I mean, even if they found a reason to use it, it's probably bullshit, you know? Because yeah. um, yeah. people people don't just come like i mean if the police wrongfully murder you know your children your brother your your anyone you're related to your friends anyone i mean like what would your reaction be like if those cops got off the hook for it you know like oh they got desk duty like they're not out in the field and it's like, I want them to, you know, as much as I don't like incarceration, they need to be behind bars. The justice system needs to do what it should do to police officers when they do things that are wrong. I mean, and that's just like what, you know, what did it take? What, what would have happened, you know, if the police that killed George Floyd never, what if it never got the attention it got? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like, I mean, and that's the thing too, is I, I'm, there's so many other people, right? That it's just like these cops wrongfully kill these people. And it's like, nothing happens until people react to it. Yeah. Like Breonna Taylor, uh, Elijah McClain, like what, like there's all these people that were just wrongfully killed. There's so many and people act like, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Like it's just some sort of like, Oh, yeah. you know, it's just whatever. It's just a byproduct of, you know, keeping our community oh, safe. Yeah. Somebody they, accidentally gets you know, killed. There's a- people act as if they're one-off cases but i mean i think in reality you know or maybe even and i guess i haven't heard this argument articulated very well but you know maybe it's a new thing or whatever you know what i mean and but in reality yeah. what's new is cameras what's new is the ability to record yes it, so it, it catches fire you know it goes viral whatever i'm not trying to attach like positive terms to police murder videos but like yeah, I just think, you know, this yeah. is obviously like I, I watched a documentary recently and it was it, it showed the video of the Rodney King beating and I was just like Yeah. Uh, like that was just horrific. You know what I mean? That was it was cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um so I so I think like you know, it's not new. It, they, these aren't one-off cases. This is definitely something that's systemic. And again, like it's it's a matter of defunding the police and i mean i think often we forget that like defunding like just like as if we were to defund the military that's not necessarily saying like less protection for the people doing the job right i mean this is like adding social security work for people who are mentally unstable uh, or have disabilities so that the police don't have to respond to things that they're not trained for like 
And just yeah, like, just like exactly. if we were to say, you know, defunding the military, that's not to say that, you know, the soldiers on the ground don't have the arsenal or whatever the term should be like they need. Like, I know that I know you and I know plenty of grunts who are like, yeah, we couldn't get the material, the stuff we needed ever. And, but you know, we can buy yeah. 150 F 35s that don't work. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's more about the uh, administrative structure that is being funded. And then, and then what that administrative structure does for these, for these institutions like policing and policing this like shoot to kill mentality you know, these trainings of, from like special operations and training police officers as if they're warriors and not, so, not ser- civil servants. And I think that's probably the biggest gripe I have with the, you know, anti-defund police movement. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's not understanding the complexity of the issue. And, it, and it's, it's, it's a simple Twitter shouting match at this point, you know, like where, no, you can't defund the police because I know this one policeman and he's a good guy. It's like, yeah, maybe individually. And we can, so we, I know. <laughs> yeah. You know, we can, we, you and I could probably have different, differing, you know, opinions on, you know, whether it's systemic or individual. And like, I, you know, I, I'm not, I don't know if we do have a different opinion, but like, I think we're both in agreement that systemically like something needs to change to like, yeah filter out bad apples right like because it's not just well, one person. yeah it's like i think an unarmed like how often does an unarmed person get murdered by the cops like too often yeah. right yeah. or even a legally armed person who you know like wh- why why don't we see the nra uh you know yeah. like when there's instances of the cops killing you know people who are uh primarily people of color who are armed legally and get shot by the police and the police are like they had a gun on them. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, in the case of good Brianna, in the case of Brianna Taylor, I mean, they li- it was literally like the wrong address for a no knock, um, you know, uh, yeah, warrant. And thank you. And like, I it's that to me is indefensible. And and the dude who was yeah. illegal who had a legal gun shot back at the you know at the I think he shot the ground. And- and yeah, at somebody and, breaking into his house. Yeah, because you don't know when you're sleeping. Like, there's no reason to know that that's the police, right? Like, especially if they use any kind yeah. of like flashbang grenade, which I imagine they did, or you know, some kind of you know, whatever, whatever. I don't know the whole story, but it's I know that it was indefensible to one shoot Brianna Taylor by mistake, even though like I don't know, it's not that hard to get the right address, and two, like, and then charging that guy with. Uh, aggravated a uh, attempted murder or whatever of a police officer when in re- like circumstantially I would do you and I would both do the same thing right like yeah I mean if, if door came crashing down in the middle of the fucking night you know like yeah. what's your reaction going to be that's the most American thing to these conservatives that hate the Black Lives Matter movement is someone what are you going to do you need a gun what are you going to do when people commit crime and break into your house yeah, and we're like well people don't break into my house that often and then the cops do it and kill the people for shooting back and then they're like well they shot at him so the cops had a reason to to shoot them yeah and yeah. it's like i don't like i mean yes those cops in those situations they thought they were in the right house they shot back you know but at the same time it's like they fucked up huge like that was it, it's so you know it, it's just so fucking like they fucked up you fucked up. You need to pay the fucking price. 
Yeah, like you yeah. need to pay the price. That it was a fucking horrible mistake, and you killed someone who was doing nothing. You know. Yeah, I mean accidents and, that end in death tend to, you know, oftentimes for people of color or people who are poor, you know, they tend to lead to jail sentences, whether they're an accident or not. Right? Like. Yeah. And yeah, like. Well, I mean, said, if like, I. Have- you killed someone, I would go to jail. Like, you go to jail. Like, there's a difference yeah. between murder and murder. Like, there's a difference for a reason. And it's like, they're, you know, like, that was negligent. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It was, yeah, it, and it's just absurd. And it just, you know, it makes me think, too. You know, these, these cops, if things don't get attention and people aren't filming them, uh, you know, like, there's more of an incentive for a cop to kill a person than there is for them to fuck them up really bad and then have the person survive and live to tell the story. Yeah. yeah. Like there's no one watching the cops can kill someone wrongfully and they can spin it and be like, okay, well that's what happened. I feared for my safety. Oh, we found it. Yeah. I feared for my safety. We found a gun on them or they planted the gun on them. Or whoever, and yeah, I mean, the, in a case, okay, good. Well, the police investigate themselves, so yeah, it looks good to me. You know, like you're all good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I wanted to also talk, about, like, just just briefly mention like bail and like monetary bail, and how I think, uh, you know, that that tends to it, it's a big division line between wealthy and wealthy and poor people for yeah right um so you know the the wealthy tend to pay the bail leave you know have great access to legal counsel because it's incredibly hard to get like you know time with your lawyer in prison or in jail right and where mm-hmm. whereas poor people they have to wait right and so if you get arrested yeah. or you know some sort of for anything right you have to wait for yeah. your court date right in jail yeah. yep and so that can be two days a day you know there's either way it's a day and so those people who be, have to go yeah. it can be a long time yeah it could be a, like those a people, month yeah those people are not working those people are missing days from their job that you know the job they have will probably not pay them for that amount of days to be in jail and, or they lose their job. So yep. again, it, it, it takes away the ability to defend yourself, to come back to court, you know, with, you know, and, and, and people get a, people with money get a walk off scot-free up until their court date. They get to continue living yeah. their life as it is, continue earning money, continue, continuing, their like self-care whatever that looks like but also like yeah you look at like access to legal counsel like the wealthy kind of have a monopoly on like good legal counsel like yeah public defenders cases caseloads are incredibly burdensome especially in rural areas because the funding for them is like dog shit and like public defenders i was reading uh like a article about public defenders and they were talking about like one, one public defender needed to work the full time of five lawyers to even give the each case its proper amount of time. Yeah, that's insane. 
That's insane. And he wasn't like it was in Georgia, I believe, Georgia or Alabama. The, the article was taking place in, and they were talking about he wasn't like the odd guy out with a bunch of cases. It was like a thing in the public defender's office. It like was normal. Like normal. One of the one of the people, the standout wasn't a low amount. The standout was a higher amount at four hundred and thirty cases. And so that's who you got that's... making a plea deal for you, basically, because that's the easiest thing for you. So you accept this you accept this uh admission of criminality to get out of jail to make your crime you know, and and then you got only all you don't have to spend any time in jail, you get to pay a fine. And that that is such a divide between the wealthy classes and the poor classes in America, like the access to like able legal counsel. And I wrote down that like the so the Constitution and don't I don't know what amendment amendment it is or anything like that. It guarantees legal counsel, but that doesn't necessarily guarantee that like that legal counsel has the adequate time, has the adequate like manpower to give your case its full needed requirements to like led like to argue in a, in a, any kind of fair sense. Yeah. And I think that's why we see this increase in, you know, plea deals and, and, and just admissions of guilt to get out of the most harshest, you know, well, of yeah. And, I mean, well, and I wanted to say that too, because I've been, you know, and I believe you have too, I've been arrested and been to jail and had to go to court and not saying that I didn't deserve to, but like, I, you know, like when I was, I was vandalizing something and it was like, I, I caused $75 of damage to a Jack in the box, like a wall of their fucking garbage can or something. It was like $75 of fucking paint it took to like cover up this thing I was spray painting. And I ended up, you know, paying, you know, in court fees and in just having to go to court so many times. And it, like, I ended up paying like over $600 just, yeah. you know, like yeah. going to court so many times using this, you know, like, uh, I, and I was literally just like, why, like, why is my fine so much? You know, like I had a fine and court fees and whatever. And yeah, it ended up being like five or $600. And I'm like, I could have just went there, bought a fucking can of paint and covered it up for him. I could have painted the whole wall for him. Like, you know, I could have done that. And and they, you know, they said, Oh, it was $75 of damage. Like, why am I paying so fucking much, you know, like to, to have done that. And, And to me, it's like, yeah, I, I broke the law. I went to jail, you know, I couldn't, my friends couldn't make bail. And like I sat in jail for a day and they kind of let me go. I missed a shift at work, you know, and it's like my, you know, my boss is like, what the hell happened? And I basically didn't have my car and, you know, I had to walk to work and basically be like, Hey, I know I missed my shift this morning. I just got out of jail. Like, you know, yeah. and luckily he wasn't like, Hey, you were in jail. You're a piece of shit. You know, he heard me out and was like, Hey, like that sucks. You know, like, uh, try not to go to jail again. Like, I'm not going to fire you, but yeah, I mean, it's just that whole system. Yeah. It's just like it, it generates revenue. And then it also, yeah. If you have more money, you can, you, it's cool. It's like, Oh, it's cool. Like you can just you're, pay you're and be fine by the criminal justice system, you know? 
Yeah. Uh, you know, and so some of the things that come to some some cases that come to mind, and I don't want to say cases like I'm a lawyer or something, but when I think about the divide between like wealthy and poor people and the consequences they face for crime, I often I, I literally like almost always think about like the 2013 2015 like news like kid that uh, I don't remember his name exactly, but he was like went by like affluenza team, so he basically like killed four people drunk driving and injured nine people in 2013 he got a dui obviously um but he he uh got 10 years probation that was it he didn't do any jail time nothing like that his 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 lawyer argued that he suffered from affluenza basically his rich parents gave him everything so he didn't know boundaries he didn't have he didn't know how to say no he, he didn't, people didn't say no to him and wow so yeah so 10 years probation and it it was you know that got lit up pretty hard in the media but then in 2015 two years into his probation there was a video of him like drinking and doing drugs which is a violation of probation and so he basically the video leaked it got leaked to his probation officer and he ran him and his mom ran to mexico puerto vierta and like this was like a national manhunt. He was listed in the National Fugitive Database. And then in 2016, for violating that probation, the probation he got for murdering, killing four people was two years in jail. So he, he, was, a na- he was a national fugitive. He got two years in jail. He was released in 2018. And as far as I know right now, he has allegedly violated probation again. He was released a day later. Yeah, and that's crazy right like because that would never you and i yeah i mean i i would also like you know in another and another thing that i think is very unfortunate and untreated very unfairly is like corporate criminality so i often think about the 2008 financial crisis where only one person went to jail yeah that's he was he was it was a guy from a smaller bank it was basically for over over overvaluing his mortgage index or whatever his mortgage mortgages and selling them as derivatives which is like incredibly illegal glad that dude did some jail time but more people needed to do it right but this is like become something in like corporate crime that is normalized as in like these like institutions corporations individuals banks whatever you want to say they basically like put in their budget the like expense to pay these fines that these our government institutions give them or, or give them right so like i just wrote down for like for the, for their part in the 2008 financial crisis jp morgan in 2013 was said to have 23 billion dollars set aside for legal issues for fines from legal issues the federal government only charged them 13 billion dollars for an investigation that was into their mortgage derivatives which which played part mortgage derivatives. I mean, that's a whole scheme that is very difficult to get into and very jargony, but basically this guy paid $13 billion, but that's still $10 billion. And it's becomes what I mean by it's in their budget is that the fines are so low that it doesn't hit, hit their profit margin, right? They already know they're going to get fined for their criminal activities, but no one goes to jail. No real fines are assessed. No breaking up of corporations, no breaking up of banks happens. And it's so premeditated. I, 
it's incredibly premeditated. So they know they're doing criminal criminal activities. And like with banks, the JP Morgan and, and the mortgage industry, right? Like that hurts people. That hurts everyday people. That that's a level of violence of like how de-housing many, many people, people losing their jobs. I mean, how many, the economy has never truly recovered since then. And Obama and Joe Biden can talk about the economy, but that, the economy since 2008 has largely been a gig economy, Uber Eats, Lyft, you know, yeah, those, those things have been on the rise. And so when, when a bunch of people have more than one job, two jobs, sometimes even three jobs, of course, those jobs numbers are going to go up. Yeah. But that doesn't, re- that doesn't reflect like a well-being of people in your economy, which yeah, uh, it's, it's one of the things I'm incredibly passionate about. But yeah, well, I mean, it, yeah, it's insane, too, because I wanted to mention, too, I think it was either Uber or Lyft, like there's talk of them having to consider their drivers workers and giving them like more rights and better pay and more security. And they're just like, basically like, hey, we can't have this happen because yeah. blah, 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 X, Y, Z. And it's like, so you're admitting that like the whole basis of a lot of our economy is not meant to help people who work. It's not meant to at all. It's meant to keep us in a specific place yeah yeah exactly i mean if, if you because they're considered contractors right now i believe the 1099 contractors but it's basically like saying like if we have to treat these these people like people then our business model fails right and yep. i mean it's just it's, just, it's my firm belief that if you have a business and I, w- I would even hold you to like you to this standard right with your business if you can't pay them yeah. a living your employees a living wage and i imagine you hold yourself to this standard of like yeah then maybe i maybe maybe i'm doing something wrong right like maybe yeah. this business isn't worthwhile because the exploitation of people is incredibly violent yeah well it just yeah, yeah. it just it shows because it's it's in the model of any sort of capitalist venture i feel like to yeah, it, it's just part of it to me. It, it's so hard. It's so hard to pay people living wages. Like it, it, it's so fucking hard to do it. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it just goes to show you that it's set up to, to be that way. You know, like it, yeah. it really is. Yeah. Just a just a side note on the the, the big bang thing in two thousand eight, the financial crisis. So like, the the banks that were left after Lehman Brothers pretty much got bought out by all the other banks or saved by all you know you know, went bankrupt or whatever tar this program called tarp, which is the troubled asset relief and the federal reserve gave and lo- granted and loaned these big banks, the sum of like trillions of dollars. And these loans from the, from the federal reserve were like, you know, in very favorable terms to the banks. And, you know, let's say, I, I believe the banks claim that they've paid back all these loans, but still, I mean, did those people who lost their houses get loans? Did, you know, did they get to stay in their houses or did they become unhoused? Did they have to go to renting? Yeah. I mean, I personally know a good handful of people who I would like consider friends who lost my houses or my houses who lost houses in the financial crisis or, or let their houses, you know, become so overvalued that their loan after, after the drop in value, the loan was so much larger than the value of the house. They were just like, I'm just going to stay here until they kick me out, I guess. Yeah. And well, I, I think, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say it. Just to to me, it just it, it's so reflective of like 
the petty stuff that just individual regular people are policed for is, is just so ridiculous when you consider, you know, like the amount of violence and poverty and, you know, uh, inequality that is can be caused by all of this like corporate misconduct and corporate, you know, criminal activity. And it, it it's just because like these corporate entities are more of an economic asset than a person than a yeah. regular working person. And yeah. so it, yeah, I mean, it's just, it obvious, it's obvious to me. It's so obvious that the police are there to like they were in the past to protect property, to protect yeah. the property and the assets of the rich people that, that are making our economy look fucking great. Like it doesn't matter how the working people are what the conditions are like you said you know it doesn't matter as long as there's a lot of money being made and traded and this and that like as long as there's huge you know billionaires making tons of money off of their businesses that looks like our economy is doing really fucking great and like it yeah i mean it just goes to show you like it's the cops don't fucking care about the the criminality of things at least you know like i mean maybe individually they think they do um some of them might but i mean it it just really it's just really telling that you know it, it literally is just there it's put in place cops are fucking class traders that are there to protect property for wealthy people and to stop people from rebelling against it because that that jeopardizes the entire system. Like if somebody robs a bank that jeopardizes the banking system, it doesn't matter how much money it costs. doesn't matter, you know, like the the actual crime, whatever, like we can't jeopardize the banking system. We can't jeopardize these systems. We can't jeopardize, you know, they're too big to fail. They're too important to the economy. The economy relies too much on them for everything which is totally bogus, you know, like it, I don't understand why it has to be that way. So they don't it, get in trouble. Yeah. It's definitely important to note that like, so a lot of these like institution corporations, big banks, they're not well regulated. Right. But they're, they're also the, the regulation agencies that are supposed to regulate these, they don't have like, because we've basically like cut taxes so low in America you know, especially corporate taxes, um, things yeah. that, you know, largely benefit uh, people from the wealthy elite or whatever. Like we, we cut their taxes so much that we can't fund these regulatory agencies. So I was listening to a podcast the other day and it was basically talking about the defunding of the IRS. So the, everyone hates the IRS, right? Like, but yep. everyday people don't like them. And so it's really easy to get the ball rolling on this idea of defunding them, voting against them, because, you know, they're kind of painted as bad guys in society, but they're so largely defunded now that they don't have the resources to go to, to go investigate these large corporations, these large banks, same probably with the sec, right? Like, so what happens is these people get away with it because they have these large, large legal teams and they, and these, legal teams can put the regulatory agency through the through the ringer right just because that's their only job whereas the sec the irs they're largely going off this minuscule public budget i mean not to mention when you're on that minuscule public budget 
you know, and a bank offers you a job at the end, you're probably going to take it and be kind of lenient on them. Right. And yeah, I'm not, I, I don't have a case that that happens, especially in banking and corporate like regulation. Um, but it's definitely an issue that I, I take cause with or whatever. And like, I, I, it makes me think of like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's like, uh, uh, what, what you want to do, like a progressive tax of like 70% on um, income over $10 million and the, and the up in arms people were of like, Oh, she wants to raise taxes. It's like every, and like a lot of people you and I know were like up in arms about it. Right. And it's like, none yeah. of you even make $150,000. Like this would not You're, touch yeah. one bit. Right. Ever, probably ever, ever. And, and I, I really do think America has this problem of like this hidden thought in their mind that says like, I'm not, I, I vote against that now because one day I'm going to win the, the jackpot with either a business or an idea or maybe even the actual lottery. Right. And I'm going to yeah, be a millionaire just- and I don't want my money taxed then. Yeah, but, or I just am going to work hard enough for my whole life and make that much money. Like that yeah. doesn't happen. Yeah, you can't absolutely. make that much money just working. Yeah, it's yeah, it, right? yeah, it's 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 just mind-boggling to think that people think that way because it, it yeah, I mean, you're closer to being homeless in your lifetime than you are to having as much money as they're talking about. Yeah. And, exactly. yeah. Like you, you can be a couple weeks away from that. Most people probably are, you know, and mm-hmm. are away from, you know, being kicked out of their houses or not having a vehicle to drive to work anymore. Um, yeah, it, it's so. Yeah, it's interesting how easy it is to trick people. And like you were saying with the IRS, like since the IRS is so defunded too, right? Because I mean, yeah, it, it sucks doing taxes and dealing with that shit, but they're so defunded that. Regular people are more worried about them because they can't fight back, and it's easier for them to target these people now. To exactly. That's target exactly regular what people that don't make very much money. And, and also, when they don't have a lot of money, we don't have a good system for doing taxes. It makes it harder for us to do taxes. So we have, you know, it's really hard for us to do taxes. We make mistakes. We get scared that we're going to get audited. We're probably going to get audited more likely than anybody else who makes a lot of money. And mm-hmm. Yeah, it creates a system, but it's like we're the ones being tricked into thinking, yeah, fuck the IRS, right? Yeah. And yeah. I mean, it's yeah, it, it's really weird because you know I used to feel like that too because I mean coming from more of an anarchist background, you know, like I always used to think, oh, taxation is theft, you know, but I mean it's also just like taxation without representation, without real representation, is where the real theft occurs because everybody wants you know, good public services and, and all of this stuff. Like, I mean, I was, I can't remember what I was watching, but somebody was talking about, uh, it was in some other country guy, I wish I remember what it was, but, um, it, he was like, Oh, it took me like 18 seconds to file my taxes. It was yeah. super quick. Yeah. Boom. It's like that, you know, it, and it's super easy, you know, it's just like, it's not stressful. We don't worry about it. You know, it's not a big deal. And it's just so funny that, you know, we as Americans are like, we want our fucking freedom to struggle with our taxes. You know, we want (laughs) like, like you would, it's so, yeah, it just seems so ass backwards to me to, you know, 
I mean, I think I think people forget that those agencies, those regulatory agencies are basically policing those things. Right. And I think, you know, I mean, I don't know how you spin it. Right. And I'm not saying that I, I'm going to promote the term Blue Lives Matters because I think that's a bunch of trash. But like, I don't know how we can get these people to be like, yeah, let's fund the IRS. Let's fund, you know, these are the policemen yeah. of regulations. And like, I, I mean, I don't know how yeah. you can spend that, but I, I would love for that to happen. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's weird. Well, I mean, you can't even convince people to fund the, the postal service anymore. You know, people, yeah. that and they're like, Oh, the postal service loses money. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. It just costs money to operate. It's all yeah, it does. It's a free you know? service. But yeah, uh, like, yeah, it's insane. Like, I don't know how people can sit there and be like, how can we defund the police? We need the police. And I'm literally sitting there like, I've been robbed. I've been assaulted. Uh, I've had my car broken into. I've had my house broken into. And literally, anytime I've even tried to reach out to the cops, they're like, well, there's nothing we can really do about it. You know? Yeah. yeah. And it's like, so, okay, I the postman is there every day for me. Yeah, he picks he's a up good my guy. Mail a lot. They or, yeah, whoever the post person is, like, the postal service is there. They actually do something. I have a good relationship with them. They're there every fucking day, you know, yeah. like and it's, but the cops, you know, like they can give me a fucking ticket for having a taillight out, but my car gets broken into and they say, file a report online because I can't really do anything about it. And then people think the cops need that budget because they're so overwhelmed and they, you know, like they need the work. And I'm like, have you ever even talked to a social worker? Do you have any idea how overwhelmed they are? Like yeah. cops are sitting there drinking a fucking coffee, telling me to file a police report online. And well, I mean, there's also, gonna... there's also the case, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to sound pro police for a minute. I don't want to, I don't want that to be there, but I mean, I think, you know, probably policemen are overworked, right? I mean, how many policemen work in doubles, you know, doing weird shifts. And I mean, you know, Responding yeah. No, I mean it, it's a stressful on. job. Like, yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, it's totally true. I mean, just like with the protests going on, and I think it's almost like a tactic. It, like, and it might sound like a weird conspiracy theory, but like these cops are being overworked, right? And mm-hmm. when they're overworked and they're stressed and they're a little bit more delirious, I mean, it's like they start acting out more. You know, like yeah, the violence irritated. starts getting worse. You're, they're irritated. And they don't want to fucking be there, you know, like, and, yeah. or, I mean, some of them not want to. And I mean, that just causes such bad situations, right? Like I'm never going to say that like being a cop is not a stressful job. Right. But yeah. like blue lives don't exist. They chose that, you know, like they chose it and like, it's, that's their fucking job. And well, like, yeah, it sucks that they're overworked, but I mean, take some of the funding that you do to, to pay for, for like they don't need to be sitting out they don't need to be working doubles they don't need to be working as much as they are working you know like don't buy a fucking tank just pay them to take a few days off you know yeah, I mean, like more, you know and, and hiring social security like social workers or you know whatever whatever the nurses whatever the situation calls for hire them to be part of that system to, to take yeah. some of that off of the you know off of the police workforce and and then and I think that's what the defund movement is about, right? Finding the right person yeah. for the right job, because like like you said, that you know, the cops when they're irritated, aggravated, don't have a good night's sleep, all those things. And again, like maybe I sound pro police, but I'm really 
like can't say that about me you know like but yeah alleviate some of that irritation by defunding and refunding some other areas of your society that can help those things that they're not trained to do yeah, police don't need to be out policing all the time. They don't need to be out or have as much of a presence as they do. And like you said, yeah, yeah. There's, they they respond to so many calls that they don't need to be responding to, right? Yeah. And and it's like, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing too. And and like, I consume a lot of you know like anarchist media. So yeah, a lot of anarchist media really leans towards police abolition as a whole for society. But like, I mean, obviously like we're in the midst of society. We can't just crumble it right now and expect anything good to come of that. Right. And I mean, and it's also like, there's huge problems with community policing as well. You know, I mean, like uh, I mean, it's just like neighborhood watches and shit like that. I mean, that's like our little brother, you know, in the town that we're at, like some guy got murdered and there was like neighborhood watch. And he's just like, you know, if I'm out late at night, if I'm wearing all black, if I'm skateboarding, like, they look at you. They they they're suspicious of you. They follow you. It's it's yeah. fucking scary. Yeah. Think of a citizen. I mean, that's just with you know uh, George Zimmerman killing uh, Trayvon Martin, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he was suspicious. He followed a person. He killed him. And I mean, I think he just sold his gun for a shitload of money. And he's selling signed bags of Skittles. I mean, that's fucking just ridiculous, yeah. right? I mean, pretty, pretty horrendous. Yeah, I mean, just the. I mean, if people don't think, you know, like to, to kind of, I guess, change topic a little bit, like if people don't think that there is a racial bias, like obviously one, they don't understand the history of where it came from because it's not mm-hmm. that much different. Right. And then also like they, they don't even understand their own reaction because when a white person gets shot by police, the, the movement, the all lives matter movement tends to say, well, look, a white person got shot, but you didn't see it on the news. And I'm like, I fucking saw it. You saw it. It's being covered somewhere. So we both saw yeah. it. Yeah. And you're upset because this person got killed and they're white. But then when a black person gets killed, the first thing you say is, well, what were they doing? Mm-hmm. Well, they were hiding something. Oh, well, what was their record? They have a criminal record. They were doing something that was, quote unquote, unlegal, like selling loose cigarettes or something like that. You know? Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. So, like, a lot of the racism that you can see in how policing works is by the public reaction to it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think there, I think there's something to say about, you know, police forces are kind of like this giant arm of, you know, municipalities, the state or whatever. And, the, and there's not a whole lot of opportunity to work like a secure, quote unquote, like government job like that gives you the benefits, you know, the pay that, you know, being a police officer does. I mean, I'm not saying it's like good pay or, you know, all those things like it can be, I'm sure. But I mean, we don't have like, you know, a a civil service core, you know, something like promote infrastructure, you know, like a job core, basically we don't have that. It's either the military or the police, you know, very few opportunities to be in city government or state government. You know what I mean? It's, it's a very small field. And, you know, I think a lot of, that kind of like desire for civil service that I think a lot of maybe people, you know, good hearted people go into policing for could be filled in other areas if those opportunities were available. Um, 
Yeah. But I, but I think uh, so. Something that recently happened that like kind of upset me. That was you know uh, criminality. I guess you want to call it, or at least like jail time is. So I, I don't know if you remember this celebrity college admission scandal. I mean the big the big uh, the, the lady in the news was Felicity Huffman. Right. So she basically paid someone to fix her daughter's SAT scores. She paid them like fifteen thousand uh, dollars. So she gets into USC, I think, which is a very competitive school. And she was sentenced to 14 days. So like and there was a lot of there was a lot of celebrities that did this. It wasn't always a fixing of the SATs. Was, you know, sometimes it was donations to, you know, um, the sports team or something like that. But, the, you know that happened and and it, the 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 consequences were not that harsh right um yeah and, and you yeah. and you put that next to uh you know tanya mcdowell who was sentenced for five years in prison for sending her son to the wrong school district lying about her address she was charged with larceny and they and they said larceny of education so basically stolen education all she did was use her son's wow. babysitter's address for school registration i mean she was a homeless she was, she was like homeless at the time and so obviously there wasn't, there wasn't like, she didn't have a lot of excess, excess of money, you know? And yeah, like all she wanted was a better life for her son, a better education for her son. And so she got five years in prison. Yeah. For that. While Felicity Huffman and, and, you know, her cohorts in Hollywood get 14 days. And so I went to like snow. Yeah. I, I I was like researching this, like uh, not researching, but just kind of Googling. I forgot it was Felicity Huffman. I knew the name of Tanya McDowell. And like, so I found Snopes and Snopes. I don't know if you know, this is like this fact checking site, right? That basically it's supposed to be this unbiased place you go, which it, it tends to be kind of like a very liberal, like outlet, which is like fine. But I think people should know that before they go there and take the word for everything. So Snopes says, yeah. That these two cases, I don't know why this came up, but these two cases is not a good, they're not a good comparison. Like, and, and then they go into like the legality of it all. Right. So they say like, the, the, legally speaking is different. It's different charges, different convictions, different circumstances, which is true legally speaking. But again, on the face of it, these are roughly the same thing. Yeah, it's like, well, were you dealing with crack or cocaine? Yeah, like, and and these charges, yeah, I mean, it literally come from the ability to have money to access counsel. Yeah, and, and and again, it's another dividing point in society between rich and poor. And it's yeah, just, no, I, that's something it, that got me going. Yeah, yeah, no, that that kind of stuff is is insane. Like, and I mean, it's. Something that bugs me too is is not just policing, but incarceration too, right? And like looking at you know like death row inmates who are you know like people of color who have these very harsh you know like they get sentenced to death for things when it, like very easily it's very easy to 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 sentence someone right? It's mm-hmm. very hard to prove yourself innocent, and and they get sentenced to death, and and it's just like so many of these people get off now, you know, with like the, the proper attention to their case, they can yeah. get off. And so many people have already died and it just shows you there's such a bias against, you know, there's such a racial bias when we look at the death penalty and look at incarceration and um, how we do it, you know, and, and to say, you know, it just goes back to, to, to how it started. I mean, that's kind of, you know, like prisons were like these huge, you know, like places to, to have, 
free labor, free or very, very cheap labor. Chain gangs. You know, like and I mean, we still do that today. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I know. So I used to work for that, you know, where I used to work. I mean, there was an article that came out that basically some of the parts that we were receiving were actually built by people in, you know, private prisons and, you know, in private prisons, they're yeah. not getting paid well by the hour, if not by the day. I mean, I know California has a large, a large like population of what, what are called, I think they're hot shots or whatever, basically like prison firefighters basically go out and fight wildfires. Yeah. They get paid a, a, an extra dollar or two a day or something like that. And then they come out and they can't actually become firefighters because, you know, they're felons or whatever. And yeah, would you be, if they could be better. Like if it's a training program. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, we just never, we never can live down our criminality. Right. And yeah it's just it's just not no i mean well yeah and to think that people are being charged with felonies for protesting and doing yeah. stuff like that it's you know when you see that it, it's it just it to me it's class warfare you're you're putting lower class people who are trying to resist you in a position to not work to not vote to you know like not have as much of a say as possible i mean that's the same thing with you know defunding the usps you know like who need, who relies on it? Poor people yeah. rely on the USPS. And it's like when you take that away, you're taking away poor people's ability to have a say in anything, you know? And yeah, and yeah I think a lot of people don't think of it in that sort of way. They think, oh, well, yeah, the post office sucks. They lost my mail, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, of course, it's happened to everybody. You know, UPS has lost my mail. FedEx has lost mail too. Like, yeah. it happens, yeah, you know? It makes it happen. I mean, I think what you said about, you know, uh, incarceration, it, it just makes me, and I don't have much on this. It's just something that popped on my head in my head. Once, once you said it, it's like the private prison model where, you know, a lot of private prisons are, you know, have this like quota of people to maintain this, uh, growth that capitalism demands from these private prisons. Right. And so that's just like, uh, it's, it, it entices people to put, people in prisons to increase profit yeah and for anything i don't think for anything yeah prisons should be have a profit motive behind them right like the idea should be to have no one in prison but with these private prison models if everyone's still good in society well now we just got to make something that's normal behavior bad so we can fill these private prisons because the, the the shareholders demand it and that and that's just wrong i mean yeah yeah no it's super fucking wrong because it's just like you said, put people in jail and have them incarcerated and to keep them, to make them stay there, right. To not, you know, like uh, to not actually do any sort of rehabilitation or to do any sort of actual, you know, like something that is positive and helpful for people that are incarcerated, right? Like, are they poor? Are they addicted to drugs? Are they, you know, like what caused them to do what they're doing, you know, and a lot of it stems from economic inequality and, and stuff like that, right? And not having access to getting a job or, you know, like being raised in a place where it's like, oh, I can get a job or I can do this, you know, side hustle thing and make a way more money, you know? And I mean, there's just so many reasons for people to commit crime other than they're just innately bad. You know? yeah. Like obviously yeah. serial killers exist and there's probably something psychological to go with that as well. But like a lot of the petty crime that people are getting thrown into prisons for, there is a very, you know, like it, there's a reason for it. It happened 
for a reason. It's not like people are just like, I'm just going to commit crimes, you know, like that's what I'm going to do. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird. But I mean, that's what people are doing though. When you look at banks and big corporations, they do, they are premeditating it. It's not out of necessity. They're just doing it to make as much money as they can. Yeah. Right. I mean, like that's, that's the, I can't sell. Yeah. Like I can't sell drugs because drugs are bad and they're illegal and they hurt people, but a pharmaceutical company, you know, can, you know, do a little bit of research, put out, a, you know, a drug that is potentially harmful, but, you know, it gets a lot of people, it, it helps a lot of people, but then also gets a lot of people that don't need it addicted to other drugs and causes them a lot of harm in their lives and causes a lot of all these problems too, but that's okay. I mean, that's if you look at, if you, you know, look at cases like Purdue Pharmaceuticals, who is the producer who produced Oxycontin, right? I mean, you could, you could probably yeah. make a... A, a journey map of like Purdue producing Oxycontin, advertising it to doctors to overprescribe saying they'll get, you know, these, these rewards if they prescribe X amount of this or that or whatever. And then those people set Oxycontin doctors basically coming in, people getting addicted to Oxycontin for pain. And then, you know, that, that supply dries up. So they go to the cheaper fucking uh, material, which is like heroin. Right. And, and that's an easy model yep. to thing. And, and these people are, you know, let's say, let's say Purdue Pharma even didn't know. They were completely incompetent in their knowledge of what their drug did. They found out and people told them and they still suck, seeked out that profit on the backs of people, yep. on everyday people. If that's not premeditation, if that's not violence, then I'm not sure what is. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, oh, so is Purdue going to fucking jail? They're sued. Forever? They're going to you know, like, the family that runs them is not going to suffer any consequences. Yeah, exactly. But like, and even, you know, like rightfully so, but like the doctors that are pushing those pills get longer jail sentences than the people who mastermind the whole fucking plan, you know? Like, yeah. And I mean, yeah, there's actually a great documentary on Netflix about that, about, you know, like the people pushing and, and, and basically how it had to get found out by private inve- people investigating yeah. people watching mm-hmm. and private investigators, you know, pushing it in local newspapers, pushing it out there. And, you know, of course there's law enforcement that does that kind of stuff as well, that investigates those things. And, and they have a lot of bureaucracy to work with to figure those things out. But when people discover it and it gets leaked and then gets out and small papers, you know, put that stuff out there, the press puts it out there, you know, that's where I feel like a lot of the change, you know, it comes from or the demand, uh, you know, for justice comes from but i mean obviously yeah there is a legal path to take it it's just very hard and very long one to do um but yeah, yeah i mean it's yeah. it's insane to think it's so easy someone can have a little baggie of drugs and they're like well you had drugs on you it's in a little bag you have intent to sell or whatever charge i can put on you that's going to be the max you know yeah. and yeah. there you go you're fucking in jail now yeah. you're people, a prisoner people can walk around with a pill bottle full of percocet or you know, Oxycontin and it's all yep. good, you know, and there's no, which is, I, I, there's nothing to say. Like I'm not commenting on people doing narcotics or whatever. It's more about the masterminding of basically producing a drug that is going to harm people and, you know, get basically getting yep. it scot-free. And I mean, any other premeditation like that is, uh, you know, as far as poor people go, people in poverty, people in the working class, like you premeditate something that's pretty, indicative of your you know intent for criminality yeah it's, oh, it's, what that is. 
yeah, it's oh, there's this is so sinister, you know, and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and yeah. There's nothing wrong with modern medicine or pharmaceuticals, right? I mean, in the right context and used properly, but yeah, or, or improperly too, whatever, you know. Like people use drugs, and I don't, I try not to have a problem with that, right? Like it's not, it's not, uh, yeah, a morality thing for me, you know, with drug use, but yeah, with when the intent behind it behind these companies that are making all the money off of it and yeah they pay fines and they still made all the profit though yeah. like they, it doesn't matter it yeah. doesn't matter to them you know they could do it all again yeah and it would turn out the same yeah well i think that sums up my uh at least uh, my stomach's good on this one i don't want to i don't want to get too much more uh sweaty over here about how mad i'm getting <laughs> but uh yeah yeah right um yeah, so we put together a Facebook, an Instagram, a Patreon. Um, so on Facebook, just search Leftovers Podcast. I think you should find it like that. Um, on Instagram, we got Leftovers Podcast, but we had to add some underscores to the end of left and the end of overs. And then on Patreon, if you guys want to donate to us, we have a $3 tier. It's basically uh, we'll give you a shout-out. And uh, if, you, if you wanted to write us with your subscription, you know, what radicalized you, um, definitely shout you out and talk about what radicalized you. Um, we, that's over at Patreon backslash leftovers pod. And we plan on adding more tiers to that. Um, but anyway, uh, goodbye everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was good. Um, blue lives don't exist and, uh, uh, black lives matter. And yeah. Um, We need real justice in this country and defund the police.